My name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for lust, comfort, and this week, control. Good to see you tonight. There are things in our lives that mark us, both good and bad. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, but I've lived most of my life in Texas, and where I have grown up and lived have marked the way that I talk. My accent's a little bit Tennessee and a little bit Texas. People listen to me talk, and they go, where are you from? It's kind of marked me. Because of the importance of athletics in my life, I have some marks there as well. I have a couple of scars, two on my knee from an ACL-MCL surgery in my 20s and an ankle replacement surgery that was as the result of a lot of different injuries, and it left another fairly significant mark on my right ankle as well as left me walking with just a tad of a limp. See, I think we're familiar with marks because we've all been marked by where we went to school, the families we grew up with, both the good and the bad, and the individual struggles that mark us and give us a different kind of limp. I think this is particularly true when I think about my own life's journey because my life has had three fairly significant movements. The first movement was nearly a 17-year ministry career spent largely in student ministry, But because of an inappropriate sexual relationship with a student, that part of my life appropriately ended, and a second movement began. That movement included a 10-year prison term in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And here's what you need to know. I was guilty of my crime, and I stood guilty in my sin. But it was in the course of that prison term that I met this Jesus, the real Jesus, the one who loved me in spite of my incredible sin, who paid the price that I should have paid and reminds me daily of the truth of Galatians 5. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For the last 20 years, God has redeemed my mess and he has made it his message through prison, recovery, and pastoral ministry. God has been so incredibly good, yet even with every bit of the grace he's extended me, I have had this continuous battle with two struggles that marked me and at times have made my limp nearly unbearable. These struggles are guilt and shame. I wanted to define that for you. Guilt is a feeling of conviction that arises out of your own sinful actions. It answers the question, what have I done? Shame is a painful feeling about who you are as a person because of your actions or the actions of others. It answers an identity question, who am I? And these feelings affect self-perception, how you interact with others, and how you relate to God. Guilt and shame are characterized by unpredictable moods and behaviors, feeling weighed down or really heavy. You become suspicious or critical of others, yet at the same time be incredibly sensitive to criticism. It's also marked in some cases by self-sabotaging and self-punishing behavior. It's hard to enjoy success or celebrate life because you think, you know what, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve anything good, and so it puts you on the performance wheel. You start to try to prove yourself at work, at school, 
or socially, you try to primarily look good in other people's eyes, and you are routinely criticizing yourself the entire time that's going on. You don't feel lovable, and you don't feel worthy of love. So I'd like you, if you will, to take a step back from that for just a second and be reminded that sin destroys relationships. And God allows you to feel the guilt and the shame of sin so that your relationship with him can be made right. Man, I have lived here. And my guess is some of you have as well. But it's not new with me. It's occurred throughout all of Scripture. There's a woman in John chapter 4 that Jesus encounters in Samaria. Her life's an absolute wreck. Five failed marriages, and she at that point is stopped with all the formalities. She comes to a well, not the well where everybody else draws in the morning, but a well when the sun blazed so hot, she could draw alone so that she would be away from the comments, the whispers, the condemning looks. In 2 Samuel 11, you read the story of King David, a powerful man who abused his power to sleep with another man's wife, and he got her pregnant. But out of fear of exposing this wickedness, he tried to engineer a cover-up that became murderous. And in Luke 8, you find the story of a woman who suffered from vaginal hemorrhage for 12 years. While she was not guilty of a sin that caused her malady, Her suffering created feelings of shame that were at times unbearable for her. She became unclean, uncomfortable, and uncomforted. She saw Jesus heal others, and she longed for that healing touch. But how could she ask him that in front of all of these people? And so she sought to hide in anonymity by just touching the fringe of his robe. If we're honest... We'll know. Guilt and shame has plagued us since Adam and Eve bit into the fruit and realized they were naked. It was the first time in all of human history they started looking over their shoulder and their first instinct was to hide from one another and to hide from God. And no wonder. They stood guilty before God and they were vulnerable to one another and even to Satan in a whole new world. Way Can we be honest and understand that guilt and shame encourages us to hide, but to hide in the wrong places? We hide in our homes and away from our homes. We hide in our rooms and in our offices. We hide in housework, yard work, and garage puttering. We will hide behind a computer screen. We'll hide behind our cell phones, the newspapers and magazines that we read. We'll hide with our AirPods in, and we'll hide with Netflix and ESPN. Oh, we'll even hide in church. We hide in busyness and procrastination. We hide in outright lies or diversionary conversation. We hide behind sullenness and humor, bravado, timidity, extroversion, and introversion. The truth of the matter is this. We have our own noontime well visits, our sin cover-ups, and our anonymous touches. Our pride moves us to use whatever we can to hide our guilt and shame. Hide your pornography. Hide 
your substance abuse. Hide your body image struggle. And when we hide in these and countless other areas, we may be guilty of the behavior, but it is shame that keeps us stuck right in the middle of that mess. Now, it's important to understand that true feelings of guilt are the result of sin. They reveal that God's standards have been violated and that steps of healing are necessary for you and others who've been affected by that sin. But let me tell you what won't work. Ignoring or denying sin will not remove feelings of shame or guilt. Doing so, as a matter of fact, makes matters worse. There is a place to hide. God is our refuge and God is our strength. And we can hide, we can cry out to him, but it is in the confessing and the forsaking of sin to follow God's will that puts us on the path to both healing and freedom. Remember these words from Proverbs 28, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them, he'll obtain mercy. It is shame that pronounces you and I guilty and deficient. It is Jesus that pronounces us guiltless and promise his grace will be sufficient for all of our needs in the middle of our weaknesses. And I have to tell you, I've been in rooms like this for a long, long time. And I know that there are some in this room because I thought it too. Man, that can be true for somebody else. But there is no way, there is no way that is true for me. But I want you to see how these biblical examples resolve. The woman at the well listened to Jesus and believed him. And her sin-wrecked life was redeemed. Her shame was destroyed. Hear this. While she was guilty and deserved to feel the weight of her sin, Jesus loved her and wanted her to walk in freedom. You find these words from John 4. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in them because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. Look at King David. He confessed his sin. He repented. He trusted in the pre-incarnate Christ with his guilt and shame, which was great. All of that was imputed to Christ and paid for in full at the cross. And look at David's plea in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the hemorrhaging woman Jesus did make her tell the crowd about her shame. And in doing so, she received the healing and the cleansing she needed. What Jesus did was he made her shame a showcase of his grace. And I remind all of us tonight, Jesus offers that same power to you. And he offers that same power to me. So what could be your next steps to experience that power? For some, tonight you need to confess the sin that's kept you stuck in your guilt and shame. For others, maybe the next step of faithfulness for you is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you need to make the gospel personal for you. I had a different step of faithfulness 
Years ago, I went through my first region group, and while the daily curriculum was incredibly important in the process, so very helpful, it was Jesus that changed everything for the curriculum and the process pointed directly to him. I was reminded of my need for God's grace. I was encouraged to praise God for his love and Christ's sacrifice for my sin, which had cleansed me from all of those things. And I now could understand that I belonged to him and I would never, ever be the same. But I'm a guy that needs reminders. And I decided I needed a permanent reminder of that new identity. And so I decided to mark myself. You can't see this on my arm, so they're going to put it on the screen. I got these two symbols tattooed on my left arm. The Regen logo and the words never be the same. I told Nate, if he ever changed the logo, I'd really be bummed. (laughs) But these symbols are a personal reminder. You know what? I don't have to be marked by guilt, shame, and the sinful failures of the past. Christ didn't come to make me better. Christ came to make me new, and I am now marked by a new identity in Christ, and I now can live in the new purpose that God has for me. I don't have to carry those burdens anymore. Those have been nailed to the cross. And that's what happened in the life of the one whose story of grace you get to hear tonight. Would you welcome my friend, Amy Galvin.